wonderful. Think about that. Uh, In the hollow of his hand, and the Bible tells us that he measured out the stars with his hand. The seas couldn't fit in his, or his hand is so big, the seas wouldn't fill him up, and yet God allows us to be in the palm of his hand as well. So think about that this morning. What a wonderful song. Thank you so much. That was great, and uh, enjoyed that. It's always good when folks come back uh, that have grown up here at Parkview, and uh, they're still going to church, still serving God, and that's a wonderful legacy of this church, and uh, appreciate Kenny and his family being here today. Let's take a look at Judges this morning, chapter uh, 13, if you would. Judges chapter 13 is where we'll find our passage this morning, and um, Pastor spoke to me about uh, preaching this morning, and so I'd had a few things in my heart. Now tonight, I'm going to be preaching on my life verse over in uh, Kings about the she-bears that come out and slay the children for making fun of the man of God. And uh, so we'll be, seriously, we'll be preaching on that. It's not my life verse. It's close. Uh, we'll be preaching on, oh, be careful, little tongue. And uh, so I encourage you to come out tonight, and uh, it'll be, I, th- I think it'll be an encouragement to us. It was an encouragement to me as I studied. And, uh, but, um, be preaching on that tonight. But this morning, uh, we want to look at the life of Samson. And, uh, God had, uh, spoke to my heart on, uh, this passage, uh, a while back. 
uh, probably two or three months ago, I think, and it's been uh, kind of just laying in the back of my mind as, as I would uh, study, and, and uh, God uh, just kept it kind of in the back, and he brings it to the forefront, and I'd, I'd look at it some more and then move it to the back again. But Samson is an interesting character in the Word of God. Uh, we find ourselves here in the book of Judges, which is uh, the, the theme of the book of Judges uh, is failure through compromise. And so there's a cycle that we find in this book of the people of Israel as they would uh, serve God and live for God, then forget about God and deny God and serve idols, be taken into captivity. Then they would cry out to God. God would send them a judge. He would deliver them, and then they would start the cycle over again, which is a picture, I think, of modern-day Christianity for the most part, uh, as we so often we will serve God until we get to feeling kind of froggy about ourselves, and then we'll kind of do our own thing and serve ourselves, and then we get into trouble, and then we cry out to God, and God sends somebody or something in our life and delivers us, and then we start serving God again, and then we get froggy again, and we get, it's just a cycle. It's a vicious, vicious cycle you see in the Word of God in the book of Judges. And so um, there, there are several judges uh, in, in this book that are interesting. Um, I like Ehud. Uh, he was left-handed, and he put that dagger upon his right thigh and, and went in into the king there, uh, Eglon, and uh, caught him unawares and, and stuck him and uh, took care of the problem. And, and I, I like stories like that. Um, and uh, so he took care of that. You got uh, Barak, who... Uh, wasn't man enough to stand up for himself, and so he had to go to Deborah, and, and Deborah said, hey, uh, if I go with you, you're not going to get, you're going to get the victory, but you're not going to get the, the praise because Sisera's going to escape out of your hand, and of course he went in uh, and fled uh, from the armies of Israel, and he went into the tent where he thought he'd be safe, and J.L. there, she uh, gave him some warm milk, and uh, so whenever my wife offers me warm milk at night, I, I deny it. I don't want anything to do with it. Because after that, she took a big nail for the tent and stuck him. <laughs> we see a theme. <laughs> and, uh, and, and killed him. And so the people of God got deliverance once again. And uh, so many different ones. Uh, Gideon and uh, his 300 men that, that came upon the Midianites there and, and destroyed their camp. And just over and over again, God's deliverance. And how God would use common, ordinary people to do extraordinary things. But it was because of the choices they made to do what they did because God called them to do it. And then we come to this man, Samson. And he's really, as you read through the book of Judges, he's the last judge mentioned. Uh, once you get beyond him, it, it goes into different things that happen in the book of Judges. But in the book of Judges, he's the last judge mentioned until you come to Eli and Samuel in the book of 1 Samuel. And so they are overrun by the Philistines here in the time of Samson. They're, they're under bondage to the Philistines because of their sin, because of what they had done, their idolatry. And Samson is born in an area that borders. Uh, he is of the tribe of Dan. And so you see a lot about the tribe of Dan, the tribe of Judah, because uh, they had inherited their possessions in the land of Israel were next door to each other. Of course, the people of Dan, they uh, later said there wasn't enough room for them, so they went all the way up to the northern uh, area of Israel and conquered some more areas. So you have the tribe of Dan kind of almost like uh, uh, bordering both sides of Israel. But, so he's born here on the border with the Philistine uh, people. And so God, in, ver in chapter 13 and in verse number 1, we find kind of the setting for Samson's birth. It says, And the children of Israel did evil again, in the sight of the Lord. Isn't that interesting? He says they did evil again, <laughs> again, in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines 40 years. You know, a lot of times we think God only delivers us out of things in our life. But actually, sometimes God will deliver us into things so that he can deliver us out of them when we get right with him. So uh, that, that's, that's not even in the message, but that's just a, a side note there, a little extra. Uh, I saw that extra you put in the offering this morning, so I want to give you a little extra something in the message. So... Uh, we see here, and there was a certain man of Zorah, of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and bare not. 
And so we find uh, in this book here a certain man and a certain woman that God is going to use to bring forth a son named Samson. This, this uh, is an interesting passage here because uh, in those days, if you were barren, uh, and unless God touched you, there was no uh, treatment so you could go to the doctor and get, to, there was no anything like that. It, it had to be of God. And so here's a family here that, that's in dire straits because in those times to not be able to have children was, was a bad thing. They, they wanted to reproduce and propagate uh, their tribe and, and, and their people. And so God comes to a certain person that he's going to use to do something that on their own they could not do for God. It had to be from God. Do you understand that this morning when God comes to us and wants us to do something for him, he's never going to ask us to do something that we can do on our own. It's always going to be something that has to go beyond our abilities. I had this thought about faith. Faith is really, faith begins at the end of my ability and the beginning of my obedience to do what God only can do through my life without me having any part of it. That's what salvation is. Salvation is me obeying God, knowing that my ability cannot do anything for my soul. Only God can. And so that's where faith begins. And so these people, they have faith in God, but God picks this certain man. Kind of like over in Esther when you find that uh, Mordecai, uh, all that's going on there. And he says uh, to Esther, he says, for such a time as this. This is why God brought you into the kingdom. That's why God has placed you where he wants you to be. And so we find a certain time in the point of Israel's history that there's a certain man that God's going to bring a certain son to do something for him. So let's pray and then we'll get on into the message this morning. Father, we just thank you so much for your word. And Lord, what a wonderful word it is. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to draw encouragement and to draw strength and to draw wisdom and understanding from what will be said. And Lord, we just pray that be your words that will be said this morning, not mine. And Lord, may your spirit move upon our hearts and help us, dear God, as we make choices in our life to do that which is right or that which is wrong. And help us, dear God, to rely upon you to make those choices. I pray for the deaf as they're meeting this morning. I pray for the junior church. Dear God, bless those ministries and be with them, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And so we have here some things going on, some uh, what I call prophetic specifications, because uh, the angel of the Lord comes to Manoah here. Really, he comes to his wife, uh, which I, I think uh, the ladies would be proud of, because here the angel of God is speaking to the wife first, and she's letting the man in on it. And uh, one of my favorite passages out of here is, is found over in um, chapter 13, uh, but towards the end of that, uh, in uh, verse number uh, 22, or 21, 22, they've, uh, Manoah realizes it's an angel of the Lord. And Manoah said unto his wife, we shall surely die because we've seen God. And, and in my mind, his wife goes, come on, man. And then she says, verse number 23. But his wife said to him, if the Lord were pleased to kill us, he would not have received a burnt offering. She says, come on. If God wanted to kill us, he wouldn't have spoke to us and given us this prophecy about what he's going to use us and our son to do. You say, what is that? Well, in verse number, uh, chapter 13, and in verse number 5, uh, we find what the angel said unto uh, Manoah and his wife here. He says, For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb. And, and, and this is an interesting phrase here. It says, And he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. So God had a certain man, a certain woman, that were going to bring forth a child here, and there was going to be a consecrated mandate upon this child. He was going to be a Nazarite from the womb. And there was a lot of things that the Nazarites could not do, a lot of rules, a lot of regulations. They weren't to shave their head. They weren't to drink any strong drink. They weren't to touch any dead body, a lot of different things. Now, what, what is different about this is most Nazarites would take upon themselves this vow after they were of age. Uh, so it would be like me saying, okay, I'm going to take upon myself the Nazarite vow. It was a, a vow of humility because the Bible says uh, it was a shame for men to have long hair. So they would have that and it would bring shame upon them. And they were humbling themselves before God. They would abstain from certain things. Uh, and, and so they would take this vow for 30 to 90 days normally. And they would uh, seek to know God better. They would try to get closer to God through this time. 
And then they would go and they would cut their hair and present it upon the altar as part of their vow. But what's different about this is here's a, a before this child is even born, God is saying this is what he's going to be. And this is, he's saying, I want him to be special unto me. He's going to be consecrated. And, and uh, what we find here is his parents do all these things. They, uh, the mother refrains from all these different things while she's carrying him. And then they raise him in that way. Because later on, as, as Samson is talking to Delilah, he, he, he talks about what it is that he is, a Nazarite. He knew that he was special and set aside unto God. Uh, it's like God telling the prophet Jeremiah, before I formed in the womb, I knew thee and sanctified thee. And, 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 and he has, you know, what I love about God, uh, among many things, is before you were born, he had something for you. In his sovereignty, he knew that one day you would be born, that you would get the opportunity to hear the gospel, that you would uh, ask Jesus Christ into your, your heart, and, 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 and he had an ordained purpose for you. A specific path, a specific ministry, uh, something that, that would be just for you. In this case, he said he is going to begin to deliver my people from the Philistines. You think, uh, Pastor might ask you to, to do a ministry, you think that's hard. Think about this. This kid from his birth, he was told, one day you're going to deliver us from the Philistines. One day you're going to deliver us from the Philistines. One day, I mean, think about that. And so uh, this, this prophetic specification of, of, of what his life would be, of what his life should be, uh, and, and how he was going to be raised, and then they confirm this when he is born. They name him Samson which means like the sun. He was to be the bright spot in a dark age for Israel. They said he, he is going to be the one that's going to brighten up what is going on in this nation. Why? Because this is what he was promised to do. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. So when we get saved... God has placed something new in our life. He has consecrated us. He has set us apart, and He wants us to be like the sun, to be a bright spot in this dark time. He saved us, but now it is our choice as to what we will do with that salvation. See, Manoah and his wife, they raised Samson. They taught him about his Nazarite vow. They taught him about what he was supposed to be. They, they taught him. But eventually he got old enough that it became his choice as to whether he would follow it or not. And so in our lives, we come to a series of choices, and it, it is up to us to make the right choice or to make the wrong choice. And, and, and my entire message this morning is getting to the very end of Samson's life where he has the last chance to make the right choice. And, and we're going to be going all the way to that, but what if, what if today is your last chance to make the right choice for Christ? We don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what, what today holds. There, there are many people here this morning. There are many people that are not here this morning. Why? Because they felt it was unsafe to, to ride on the roads uh, with the ice and things. And so we don't know at any moment we could go out into eternity. And so what does God have for us to do that we need to make the right choice right now to take the chance that God has for us? And so... As we look through this, we see a, uh, some, some problematic situations that I see in the life of Samson. You see, he grew up and, and began to get older. And we find ourselves in verse number, uh, the, the last verse there in uh, chapter 13. It says, the woman bare a son, verse number 24, and called his name Samson. The child grew, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Ashtail. This is looking good. God is blessing him. God is, is upon him. The Spirit is moving him. He's, 
He's going back and forth between the areas that he is supposed to go to, that, that he is supposed to work in. He was going to be a judge over Israel. He was going to deliver his people from the Philistines. And so the starting is looking really good. His parents raised him uh, to, and taught him about his Nazarite vow. He is growing and God has got his hand upon him. But then we see something that happens in the life of Samson. In verse number 1 of chapter 14, it says, Samson went down. He went down to Timnath and saw a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. See, here we have him going down the wrong path. God had, God had chosen him to be a judge in Israel. Israel. So why is he going down to where the Philistines are? And why, why is he down there looking at what the Philistines have to offer? Because he's going down the wrong path. You know, a lot of times in our lives, and what's interesting about Timnath is Timnath sits on the border of Israel and the land of Philistia, where the Philistines lived. And so he's right at the edge, so to speak. It's, Timnath is actually still just inside Judah. I mean, just like you spit into, into the Philistines' land. But he, he's... How many Christians live their life on the edge of where they ought not be? Where you can see what you ought not see. And think about, think about Lot. What did he do? He didn't live in Sodom to begin with. He just pitched his tent towards Sodom. Why? Because he looked and he saw the well-watered plains that it was, it, it was beautiful. But it wasn't where he was supposed to be. And so we got... Samson here, he has gone down. Anytime you're having to go down somewhere, it's probably not going to be a good thing. Why? Because God wants us to walk high. Be holy as I am holy, saith the Lord Almighty. He wants us to live up here, not be going down here. You know, it's like a pastor mentioned sometimes uh, oh, down, at, down at Crown College there, Brother Sexton, his, his phrase is, Take the high road. Why? Because it keeps you out of the mud. It keeps you out of the muck of this world. Always be looking and aiming higher. We see him going down the wrong path. And not just that, but, but he, he goes down to Timnath, and then a few verses later you find him going even further to Gaza, which was a chief city of the Philistines. For what? For another woman. See, Samson had a problem with his eyes and the lust of his eyes. And, and, and we need to understand that when we have a problem with especially a certain kind of sin, God wants to work on us to help strengthen that area. Because what is Satan going to do? He's going to work on weakening that area and getting us into... So what, what is he... What do we see Samson continually doing? He's going down. He goes down to Timnath. He goes down to Gaza. He, he's getting in trouble. Then we see him going down to the valley of Sorek. For what? Another woman. Another woman. He is continually going down the wrong path. And yet God would move upon him. And it's almost like a picture of what God is doing for the people of Israel in the book of Judges, but contained within the book of Samson. He'll go down, get himself in trouble. God will move upon him and bring him back out. Then he'll go a little while longer. Then he'll go back down, get himself in trouble. Because I, I think personally, just looking at this, between chapters 15 and 16, I feel like there is a large period of time. And that is between the time that he gets out of Gaza, and he goes down into the valley of Sorek and finds Delilah. And I feel like there's a large chunk of time there where he did what was right. But then somehow he ends up back down in the valley of Sorek. So we've we got to be careful about going down to the wrong places 
and allowing ourselves to be taken down the wrong path. Secondly, we've got to be uh, careful about getting involved with the wrong people. See, he goes down to Timnath, he goes down to Gaza, he goes down to Sorek, and he's getting involved with people who are the daughters of the Philistines. That's not who he was supposed to be with. That, that even his parents said, can't, can't you find a, a nice girl? We're, we're in, the, in the tribe of Dan. And what did he say? He said, get her for me. He was getting involved. And then to, to further complicate matters, uh, there was a young man in Timnath that he used as a friend who after he had gotten mad about some things that went on and uh, left his wife and they gave, they gave his wife to this companion. It says whom he had used as his friend. So he's getting involved with, I, I'll be honest with you, you have to be very, very careful about the associations that are in your life. Even, now think about this, Timnath is just inside Judah. So I, I think there was a mixed multitude there. You had Philistines, uh, Israelites, all mixing together. Let me tell you just something that I have learned. Uh, I, I read a, an illustration. Somebody asked a, a banker uh, what the, the, how he got so successful. He said two words. And they said, what are that? He said, right choices. They said, well, how do you make the right choices? He said, one word. They said, well, what's that? He said, experience. He said, well, how do you get experience? He goes, two words. They said, what words are those? Wrong choices. <laughs> so let me give you some experience from wrong choices I have made. That when you mix yourself up with people who are mixed up, you're going to end up messed up. If, and see, there, he's, he's in Timnath. You think, okay, that's part. But just because they're in the family of God, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be ugly. But just because they say they're a Christian don't mean that's somebody they ought to hang out with. Because there are a lot more Christians today who are carnal than there are that are spiritual. And if you get mixed up with a carnal Christian they're probably going to make you more carnal than you already are. Whereas if you hit your wagon to a spiritual Christian, they will help lift you up into uh, more spirituality. You say, why, well, why? That's just the way it is. It's like trying to throw a barrel of bad apples, trying to throw a good apple in there. It's not going to make those other apples good. God's going to have to work on their heart. And then when you see something spiritual blooming in their life, then hang out with them and try to help them even more. But I'll be honest with you. Well, I'm not going to be honest with you. I'm going to move on to the next point. Proverbs chapter 7 said, For at the window of my house I looked through my casement, beheld among the simple ones, I discerned among the youths a young man void of understanding. Passing through the street near her corner. He's going the wrong way, in the wrong place, getting ready to get hooked up with the wrong people. Why? Because he was passing that way. There are some things in our lives that if we will just not pass by their way, we'll stay out of trouble. Samson had a problem with passing the wrong way and getting hooked up with the wrong people. And so we see that he was doing this constantly. Uh, something else I see in his life is a persistent selfishness. Samson was raised right. And I think Samson is a good picture of train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. You know, and, and I'll be honest with you, we, we think of that a lot of times in the connotation of training up children in the correct way. But do you know, uh, if you train up a child in the wrong way, you're still training them. If you're teaching them the wrong things, you're still teaching them the wrong things. So I mentioned in, in my class this morning about being up here on this platform and being able to see some of the training that's going on out here and how if a parent doesn't sing the hymns, more than likely a child's not going to sing the hymns. And what do we sing hymns for? To worship and honor God. So in that, we are training them that you don't have to do that. You say, well, that, that's getting kind of picky. Yeah, it is. 
Because I'll be honest with you, and I will be honest with you right now, the world will pick you apart if you're not picky. (laughs) I mean, really. And so if I'm going to train my child, I'm going to train my child in everything. So when it comes to to singing in church, and and as part of following the, the, the authority that, hey, open your hymnals and join with me in singing, that's part of obeying the authorities. And I'm going to pick up a hymnal and sing. You say, what if I don't feel like singing? Sing until you feel like singing. Singing does good for our soul. And that wasn't even in my notes. But a persistent selfishness. I'm going to do things my way. Isn't that what our society is today? I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to have it my way. I'm going to, his preeminent task in his life was focusing on himself. He used others. He took advantage of them. He pouted about things going on in his life. He burned up crops when he didn't get what he wanted. His, physicals, his, his physical gifts from God did not translate into profitability for others. Do you ever see Samson calling together an army to deliver Israel? Do you ever see Samson involving anyone else and doing what God had called him to do? You only see Samson ever by himself doing what he wanted. He just did what he wanted. And yet God would use him. That's the amazing thing about God. God can use anybody, anytime. But if we're going to be used incredibly of God, we're going to have to be fully devoted to God. See, he was to begin, he was to deliver, he was to get the people out of the hands of the Philistines. But he just wouldn't do what God wanted him to do. Why? Because he was selfish and it persisted throughout his life. We see him over and over again. Uh, His uh, preeminent task was with himself. Even when he prayed, You know, there's only two places that Samson prays. The first prayer is after he kills those thousand men with the jawbone there. And it's a prayer of complaint. God, you used me here to kill all these people. I'm thirsty and now I'm going to die. And God answers it. I'm amazed when God answers some of my prayers after thinking about it. I thought, why did he answer that prayer in the way I prayed it? But he hollowed out a place in that jawbone and gave him water when he was thirsty. And then the second time he prays is over after he's been humbled. And it's an entirely different prayer. But he was constantly looking for out for himself. Uh, he was constantly uh, filled with prideful thoughts. Uh, in Judges chapter uh, 16 and verse number 20, if you look with me here, he has made his way down to the valley of Sorek and he is now in Delilah's house, uh, and Delilah is uh, completely focused on trying to get the, the, what his strength is because the lords of the Philistines had come to her and said, hey, we'll give you each 1,100 pieces of silver if you can tell us why, where his strength lies. And so over and over again, she's trying to get the, the secret to his strength, and uh, she finally breaks him down far enough and, and cries and bewails and moans, you don't love me. You know, going back, Samson should have known this, this song and dance because he had, another, uh, he had a wife in his life that had done that already. And it got him in trouble then. When you go back to when he got married and she wanted to know the, the answer to his riddle about the lion and the honey, and he, she finally broke him down, he told her, and then she went and told who? The Philistines. We'll say, wow, he's a dumb guy. But how often do we do the same thing and get messed up with the same people, and get in trouble with the same group, and yet we think, well, how did that happen? Where did that come from? I mean, here he is. He's in the Philistines' land again, with a woman trying to get uh, an answer from him again. And she finally gets it. He he bears his heart to her in these verses uh, from 16 through uh, 20. And in verse number 20, we see the the proud thoughts that he had. In verse number 20, she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. He awoke out of his sleep, 
And then this right here, he said, and said, I will go out as other times before and shake myself. That, uh, that word uh, shake there has to do with just going out, kind of like a dog would just shake off water, like no big deal. No big deal. He said, you know, she, she, over and over again, she said this, the Philistines be upon thee, the Philistines be upon thee. Uh, she tied him up with uh, green withs and, uh, and some, you know, said that would, and he gets up and he breaks those. Uh, she weaves his hair into a weaver's bean and put, and he steps out, you know, with that. And, and, and he just kind of got used to being able to do what he wanted to do until this day. When all of a sudden, the pride that was in him he said, I, I'll just go out like I did before. I will get up. I will go out. I will shake myself. And these Philistines will be just another afterthought. Like I've done before. We have to be careful, especially those in leadership, I feel, that we don't get satisfied with doing just what we've done before. That we make sure that we have the Spirit upon us so if it's going to be different this time, we're ready for that. Because we can get so uh, churchified that um, we forget that it's not about church, it's about Christ. And we can get so wrapped up in ourselves and about how well we can do something that we forget it's not about us. It's about Christ. And, and we can get so busy doing things for God that we forget it's not about the things we do for God. It's about Christ. And we just get to do things for God because of Christ. And he said, hey, no big deal. God's used me. He'll use me again. And he didn't realize that this was not like before. Because the second part of that verse there, I, I, this is one of the saddest phrases in the Word of God. It says, and he wist not that the Lord had departed from him. Here we have a predictable tragedy. As we walk through Samson's life and seen where Samson went and found out about the people that Samson hung out with and saw that Samson allowed sin to over and over again reign in his life. And even though when God would speak to him and move upon him, it still didn't get him right. Surely somewhere in this story, the bottom is going to fall out. And guess what? It did. When? I, now, think about this. Could you imagine every day getting up and knowing that God was upon you, and then one day getting up and not even knowing that he wasn't there anymore. You know, when Sherry goes to ladies' retreat or, or something like that, I know that she's not there because I'm really, really cold. <laughs> but there, her... her She's not there, and, and I can sense that. I can feel that. It's, it's different. But think about this. A man that had been used of God so much never knew that God had departed. Why? Because he felt that it was in his own strength. He felt that it was something that he deserved to have the power of God upon him. And it's not something we deserve. It's something that God allows us to have when we live for him. And so you see this man who has made wrong choice after wrong choice after wrong choice. And what does the Bible say? Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Samson over and over again sowed the lust of his eyes. And what did he reap? The lust of his eyes. Lust when it is conceived bringeth forth sin, and sin when it is finished bringeth forth death. Here is Samson. Now just a shell of what he had been when God was upon him. 
But I like what I see here in these next few verses. Because I think sometimes God has to kind of cut our legs out from underneath of us. And like Samson here, his hair had been cut. And God had departed. In verse number 21, it says, But the Philistines took him, because they could now, and put out his eyes. What did Samson have a problem with? His eyes. What he saw. What he saw. The Philistines fixed his problem. They took his eyes. It says they put his eyes out. And one more time, he goes down to Gaza. Whereas before he went down the, the champion of Israel, the, the conquering hero, now he goes down as a slave. Bound, it says, with fetters of brass, and he did grind in the prison house. And as sad as the phrase there, he wist not that the Lord was departed from him, just as joyous, I think, is verse number 22, how be it the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. You see, God's never done with us until he's done with us. Samson's still alive. The Philistines messed up. Because God can use us all the way up until we're dead. Because that's when the Bible says you can't praise him from the grave. So what you going to do for him? Do for him in this life. So they thought they had fixed the problem. Hey, we shaved his head. We put out his eyes. We put him in. What's kind of interesting about this, I think, is they bound him with fetters of brass. That's not really that strong. Iron would have been better, but what is brass? Brass is flashy. And as he would push that grindstone around and the sun would catch the glint of that, it would glint, and it, would, it was kind of just like uh, a reminder to the Philistines, we defeated him. And we don't even need the strongest of metals to keep him bound to that grindstone. But what they didn't remember was that he was set apart for God. And we see his hair begins growing. I don't know how long it took. I know I got to get a haircut every three weeks. It's the way it is. I don't, it's just, I guess I got good hair genes. I don't know. But you figure maybe a year. I don't know how, how, how far. And I think his hair only had to grow as far as he was willing to humble himself before God. Because we see here, the, 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 the next thing we see in his life, remember he prayed one other prayer, but here we see a pitiful supplication. They bring him out in the end of chapter 16 here. So after the verse 22 and verse number 23, it says, And the lords of Philistines gathered them together for to offer a great sacrifice and a Dagon, their God, to rejoice. For they said... Our God hath delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hand. They didn't realize that God had delivered him into their hand. Because if he hadn't departed from him, they would have never been able to overcome him. It's sad that we give the world opportunity to celebrate when we do wrong. God told David that he had given opportunity to the heathen because of his sin with Bathsheba. And so as we make choices in our life, we have to be careful to remember that we are not just making choices that affect ourselves, but affect the testimony of God. And they're celebrating here the fact that they have conquered the unconquerable. But it wasn't them that had done it. God had given them to him. And so they brought him out to make sport of him. And in verse 25, they said, call for Samson that he may make a sport. And they called for Samson out of the prison house and he made them sport. And they set him between the pillars. And Samson said unto the lad that held him by the hand, Suffer me that I may fill the pillars whereupon the house standeth, that I may lean upon them. You know, he had his strength removed. He had been brought down and enslaved, had his eyes put out. He had been reduced to a place of subjection. He was subjugated underneath the Philistines. But his hair began to grow. And I believe that he had conversations with God that aren't recorded here. Just my thoughts, my opinion. Because when he calls out, he addresses who he's speaking to. 
as Lord God, the existing one. He, he, he knew that God was still there with him. That even though the Spirit had departed, His power was gone, God was still there. And He could still hear Him. And He says, O Lord God, remember me, I pray Thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee only this once. When I read this, I thought, wow, he was supposed to deliver the people of Israel from the Philistines. But do you know that God in his sovereignty knew this was going to happen? Because you see the way God said, he said he will begin. He will begin. But here he had one last chance to make the right choice to do something for God. In spite of his lust and his sin and being conquered and having his eyes put out and everything in his life that had gone wrong, he said, Lord, just give me one more chance. And God gave him back his strength and allowed him to do one more time what he had called him to do. I don't know where you're at in your life. I don't know what choices you've made, what paths you've walked down, but there's no sin too great that grace cannot forgive. Where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. And maybe you're at this place where Samson is. You're bound. The sun no longer shines in your eyes. There's no longer the Spirit of God. But God's still listening. God still wants to hear that if you'll ask him one more time to use me, he will. Samson could have went out, put his hands upon those posts, and pushed and not budged them. But when he humbled himself and asked God for help, all of a sudden, the strength flowed. And all of a sudden, what he had forgotten the feeling of, it came back. And it says he killed more in his death than he did in his life. And he got back to the place where God wanted him to be. Beginning of the end of the Philistines. So where are you at today? Maybe you got one more chance to do what's right. Because if he hadn't taken that chance, he would have died grinding upon that stone. And never done nothing else for God. We, we probably wouldn't even know about Samson. But he took one last chance to make the right choice. Will you? Will you? Let's bow our heads.